0: the punch out we're following the news all day so you don't have to giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be and yes we are back here on the punch out 9th of march 2022 very happy to be back with you here on the show plenty for you here on the show as we always do we're going to be talking about insider trading in congress also, going to be talking about protest of Palestinian prisoners in the apartheid jails of Israel. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with the Iran deal, which could be revived very soon. There is widespread speculation that the revival of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA, better known as the Iran nuclear deal, is set to take place in the next few weeks. The deal originally signed by Iran, the United States, the United Kingdom, France, China, Germany, Russia, and the European Union lifted or was supposed to lift global sanctions on Iran in exchange for Iran meeting certain conditions to prove it was not developing a nuclear weapons program, but the deal fell apart after the U.S. pulled out during the Trump administration. The following years saw tensions between Iran and the West further deteriorate, marked by significantly increased U.S. sanctions and EU acquiescence to the same, as well as a deepening of bilateral relations between Iran and Russia and China, all of whom were adhering more directly to the deal. The U.S. bolting from the deal had been widely criticized in every country and by many people in the United States for scuttling a major milestone in preventing nuclear proliferation and raising overall tensions in the Western Asian region more broadly. President Joe Biden campaigned on returning to the deal, but until the recent Ukraine crisis, the process seemed totally stalled. The principal issues resolved around the timing of how the U.S. would lift sanctions. Iran has demanded sanctions be lifted prior to them returning to the elements of the deal around how much uranium they can enrich and inspection protocols for other aspects of their civilian nuclear program. For most of 2021, the Biden administration was demanding that Iran, quote unquote, return to compliance first. Iran, of course, was really only mildly out of compliance, sort of a show in being out of compliance. And only went out of compliance after the EU showed zero willingness to abide by its part of the deal after the US pulled out. Iran has increased its uranium enrichment, but contrary to how it's portrayed in the Western media, the level of enrichment is below what's needed for nuclear weapons. Further, they stopped some aspects of physical inspections into their nuclear facilities, but continued to allow video based inspections. The US seems to have shifted to a more pliable position as the Ukraine crisis started to cause energy price increases in the run-up to, and now after, Russia's invasion. Iran is already a significant oil and gas supplier to China and India, and increasing the flow of Iranian petroleum products to those countries, and probably Europe too, is clearly a major concern for the U.S. and other Western nations. The sticking points now seem to be over two main issues. Guarantees from the U.S. and sanctions on Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps. Iran's parliament has demanded that the U.S. provide very clear assurances it will not pull out of the deal again and will honor its commitments. Russia is now also asking for U.S. assurances that new sanctions on them will not be imposed on their trade with Iran. Russia's move is being portrayed as quote-unquote obstructionist, but given the threat sanctions posed to their economy, it's clearly a self-interested move. Russia and Iran have extensive relations, and Russia is clearly worried that the U.S. and others will try to use the sanctions to push them out of Iran, despite the fact that the Russians have been a key pillar of the deal and will play the critical role of accepting excess Iranian nuclear fuel, something that most other powers have expressed zero willingness to do. Iran also is clearly hoping to use their leverage to push the U.S. to end the foreign terrorist designation the U.S. has placed on the Revolutionary Guard Corps. The Revolutionary Guards are a pillar of Iranian society, playing major roles in the economy and foreign policy. The U.S. designation is set up to try to hobble both those areas and Iran once that ended. This will be a major sticking point, however, as U.S. policy towards Iran is heavily rooted in demonization of the guards. All sides, however, are painting very optimistic notes. and It does seem likely that the changed geopolitical picture does at least suggest a high likelihood of the deal being revived. As of Sunday, March 6th, Hundreds of Palestinian prisoners and administrative detainees locked in Israel's apartheid jails are continuing their protest, which began on February 5th, against new restrictions placed on them. As the news site People's Dispatch details, quote, Israeli authorities had imposed various new additional restrictions and measures on the prisoners in the aftermath of the Gilboa prison break in September of last year, when six Palestinian detainees managed to escape from prison before being apprehended a few days later. Some of the retributive measures imposed by the Israeli authorities were separating prisoners with the same political affiliation, solitary confinement, cutting off access to canteen facilities, and reducing the break time allotted to them to spend in the prison yard, among others, end quote. Prisoners are refusing to follow many prison rules and protest. They're staging sit-ins as well and refusing security checks, according to the Palestinian Prisoners Club. Prisoners have announced a mass hunger strike beginning on March 25th if their demands on lifting the repressive measures are not met. There is also a related protest by around 500 administrative detainees who are protesting their arbitrary detentions, boycotting court proceedings, and refusing to participate in a range of activities while in prison. Some are even boycotting all medical facilities inside the apartheid jails, despite having serious health problems. And as People's Dispatch also points out about this point, quote, The international community and human rights groups have for years called on Israel to stop the policy of administrative detention in which Palestinians are detained indefinitely without charge or trial for extended periods of time. Administrative detention orders can be renewed every four to six months based on secret evidence, which is not shared even with the detainees or their lawyers. Despite international criticism, the number of orders issued on a yearly basis is steadily increasing. Israel passed 1,595 such orders in 2021 a significant spike from the 1,114 orders issued in 2020. 1,742 orders were issued in 2016, among the highest documented. Since 2015, Israel has issued 8,700 administrative detention orders against Palestinians, according to the Palestinian Prisoners Society. This year, 96 orders have been issued in the month of January alone. In total, there are approximately 4,600 Palestinian prisoners in 17 Israeli jails, including 32 women and 180 minors and 500 administrative detainees, end quote. Also on March 6, two Palestinian teenagers were killed by apartheid security forces, it must be noted. And also this week, there has been a spate of vandalism of Palestinian fields, including the uprooting of trees and other crops in various parts of the West Bank. All in all, just a further example of the ongoing, daily, and deadly grind of Israel's policies of apartheid and ethnic cleansing. Over the past few months, outrage over members of the United States Congress trading stocks based on their insider information as lawmakers has grown. Recent scandals highlighted how existing rules around these practices were essentially paper thin, and that many members of Congress are clearly enriching themselves significantly based on their privileged knowledge. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who herself is quite rich, had resisted any increase in restrictions but reversed course in early February when it was clear that outright opposition would just be too embarrassing. Since then, two bills have advanced in Congress designed to deal with this issue that have garnered enough co-sponsors to potentially pass, but both, interestingly enough, have the same loophole that more or less strips the bills of any teeth. As reporting from the investigative outfit, sludge details, quote, both bills would prohibit members of Congress from trading corporate stocks, but they contain the same exemption. They would not apply to widely held investment funds, which is defined in the legislation as a fund that is either publicly traded or composed of assets that are widely diversified and where the investor does not exert control over the assets held by the fund. So while members of Congress would be banned from trading individual corporate stocks, they would still be allowed to trade products like mutual funds or exchange-traded funds composed of bundles of corporate stocks. And Sledge goes on to further explain that while the bills would, quote, ban members of Congress from trading a stock like ExxonMobil or Chevron, it would allow them to continue buying and selling shares in something like the Energy Select Sector SPDR Fund, which is composed of shares in ExxonMobil, Chevron, ConocoPhillips, and 18 other prominent oil, gas, and energy equipment companies. At least nine House members are invested in that fund, end quote. And this, in a way actually ends up making the bills fairly toothless because as Sludge also lays out, quote, most actions that Congress takes affect whole sectors or industries rather than specific companies. In fact, in many cases, Congress is prohibited from taking action against specific companies because such legislation would likely be deemed an unconstitutional bill of attainder, end quote. So in other words, the stock trading that would remain legal is actually somewhat better suited to congressional profiteering than trying to trade individual stocks based on general knowledge of industries. Likely, one of these two bills will pass, and Congress will pat itself on the back. But to steal a phrase from President Biden, nothing will fundamentally change. That's the Punch-Out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.